a secret that there have been some complications in how the 13 within the coalition reached where they are, where they are now. And I think this is a natural evolution for a group of independent minds reaching parliament together and faced with such a big task, which is representing the largest protest movement in Lebanese history, entering one of the most complicated parliamentary systems known to man, faced with expectations, pressure, and principles. And I think this is a very natural outcome. So I'm not going to point fingers. This is not a personality test. This is not, uh, it's not a personal issue. It's more trying to see it from your side. Is this one of natural evolution in your mind? Do you see this as a fait accompli, given all the difficulties inherited with this task? Mm -hmm. Or, in your mind, are there mistakes that have been made in the last five months or so that you could actually say, well, we should have done a few things differently? And if you could focus in as much as you'd like, mm -hmm. that would be great. But again, it's not personal. It's yeah. more just an honest exploration. Well, thank you, Ronnie, first for having me. I've been eager to do this too with you. Annie. I love watching your podcast. Um, so I think what was happening in the 13, we have to give it some kind of context, mm. you know. Um, so to start with the idea of facing the establishment forces, okay, um, united was a kind of prerequisite for any um, uh, how do I say this? A, a approval mm. by the Lebanese people mm. to push through and give confidence and trust to. Yeah. And this this idea of unity has been lurking around for quite some time. Mm. It and it's very reasonable and understandable that the people know how powerful these establishment powers are, mm. and at the same time know that our means and political uh, tools are not as strong as, the, as those. Right. So for you to be able to face and deliver, you need to unite. This is a kind of very basic equation mm, mm. To, to, to face. And uh, despite the differences, despite sometimes non-political alignment, uh, uh, political non-alignment, despite um, different ways of approaching politics mm -hmm. and despite all the different backgrounds, people still required that we need to be united. And this is, as I said, something understandable. Um, we, we achieved this yeah. as much as possible during the last elections and the united lists mm. and our coalition lists. And this will continued after our success in reaching parliament. Yeah. So all those differences were carried through, yeah. you know, brushed under the, the, the rug, as we say, or the carpet. And at some point, things had to show. You know, You're to the come first out. person who's explained it to me this way. Mm. It's the same problems with the list formation that finally found their way in parliament, but more visible and more pressure applied. Yeah. yeah. And I think, I mean, we, we all understand that. We all recognize it. We all mm. acknowledge this but we thought somehow that we would work it through we did work it through you know mm, and mm. many times um but now with more pressure and with more complications and mm. more um 
of the economic meltdown and the pressure of the people and the pressure to deliver, you know, and the, the sense of responsibility that we have, you know, it uh, somehow produced different directions. Mm. And these different directions, I can summarize them as one that, um, two, two mainly, that, two mm. main different uh, approaches. Um, I think in, in terms of the broad line of political objectives and identity, there aren't much. And there are some differences, of course. It's not the real problem. It's yeah. the way you approach politics mm. and how you can navigate that landscape and yet deliver right. to the people. And when you put all the equations together, it becomes very evident that you have very how do I say the very limited approaches to it so there are, you can really summarize them in two and one what I would say which is saying that we need to be pragmatic yeah we need to deliver and we need to take advantage of the weight of the 13 MPs that we have and do all the kind of political maneuvers uh, between the political the traditional political parties and try to create some kind of um, uh, breakthroughs, yeah. trying to, to create some kind of uh, to disturbance, uh, disturbance or turbulence mm-hmm. in their uh, in the status quo that they have in between them, right. uh, trying to affect or uh, or influence the equ- the power equations in between them and so on in different milestones. Okay, which which I think, in my opinion. Uh, versus the other, and now then yeah, I can evaluate. Sure. <laughs> Do you want to ask a question? No, no, no. I liked you're taking me there naturally, so I'm glad you're doing it. Yeah, all right. Yeah. The other would say, okay, so we have certain given, hmm. and we need to acknowledge first what kind of um, uh, adv- what kind of uh, uh, strong points that we have, and what kind of weaknesses we have before we navigate. Uh, through these traditional powers so and somehow the kind of uh, cohesiveness that we have within the the block the kind of different approach to politics the kind of different backgrounds and the the, there are some political non-alignment somehow Mm. we can say this and uh, all this okay for me and the the, the, the how yeah and it, we I mean underestimating yeah the traditional political powers is mm. also another issue. I mean when you put all these yeah. together mm. you find that the first approach, at least for me, was a bit theoretical, a mm. bit ambitious. Right. Not taking into consideration the challenges that you have already internally and externally. Mm. Okay, on, on paper looks perfect yeah. you know but when you start putting in the ingredients and you put in ev- all the details then the, the picture becomes more complex and at the end I find it negating the the, the objective that it started uh, it was initiated for and this is when I said okay guys so let's try a more calmer approach yeah more real opposition work I think you have the perfect voice to take the temperature down. <laughs> and I, I can imagine you're trying to send some reason <laughs> when there's a very dynamic debate. Yeah. And I can imagine you playing that role hmm. before things became a little more uh, visible, let's right. say. 
But can I pick your brain on, you, you said something a little earlier about uh, the pressure to unite, that this is almost like a textbook sort of strategy and how to play politics the way it's understood. Do you think there was more pressure on the voter for these 13 to unite? Or do you sense that the 13 had this built-in pressure already, that they, that they sensed their role as needing to unite, regardless of whether or not that may have not happened the way everyone thought it would happen? I think it's somehow both. Mm. We, well, we all acknowledge, yeah. I mean, the 13, the value of the 13 being together, of mm. coming together in terms of in having an impact in the parliament yeah. and having a voice that's heard. Uh, at the same time, like, the people were as well very eager to see the 13 together. And I sense there's a lot of real pressure there, wanting to see it happen. Yeah, I mean, media, it was a bit um, mainly driven mm. by media. Yeah. And media were uh, somehow um, tapping into the people's ambitions to have uh, these 13 together. Yeah. Because for them, this is the recipe for delivery. Yeah, you know, so it. it I mean, it's it, it's all it's all connected. Yeah, you know, it's all connected. So you see, this kind of thirteen framework framework. It was, it happened maybe um, organically. Mm. Okay, it mm. happened maybe by media. It happened. There was there is a lot of value in the thirteen. Of course, this yeah. is something we cannot uh, deny. Even the number was staggering when it happened. I think a lot of people were. Happy, and there were there were there were some suggestions to expand or yeah, measure, right. and this is this is something that uh, was considered at one point in time. Mm. So yeah, so this is something that was set, and we had to coexist in this framework uh, for quite some time. <coughs> but I think that uh, somehow the divergence yeah. became more clearer on how to approach this uh, presidential elections milestone. Well, if you were to look back a bit and try to find that marker of where things a little they got a little heated to the point that we all knew that there was sort of an internal dynamic happening would you point the finger at Babda? is that the was that in a way the the last sort of attempt before things became more fractured or is it pre Babda that you see this as sort of from day one that this because I, I like that you mentioned the list formation complication sort of entering parliament right away so just from your independent sort of lens do you think of it more as may 15 it was written on the wall or maybe babda is sort of the last attempt i can't i can't really put a marker to this i think it's it's it happened some sort of a accumulation over time mm. um it's normal and i think if we want to really address this issue, we need to consider all that has happened before yeah. and really start looking forward to a framework that takes into consideration these uh, the experiences that we went through. Yeah. So there isn't yet, I think, a, a, a formula for that, but uh, We'll, we'll we'll see we'll see how we can and I promise this. we will leave this topic it's right. my guarantee but I I just there's two more things I want to explore about it uh, what's sort of been spilling out is this sort of uh, two choices really of 
simple voting by majority or consensus. Mm -hmm. I'm guessing it's more complicated than that. Absolutely. And I'm going to even guess that not everyone is hell-bent on one. You can almost marry them together when needed. But is that where the mechanism is right now in trying to trying to make it work better between those two choices or is it is it more than that because i I, you're you're kind of refreshingly straightforward and honest Mm -hmm. with the way you talk in general about Mm -hmm. what's happening so i think if there's anyone to ask it's you just sort of a very objective lens right is that really at the end of the day what's happening that's trying to make them work together or is it more than that i think it you know, the, the mechanism of decision making has to be or goes hand in hand with the kind of framework that we're going to be proposing. Mm. So if we would like to see a, a block, like the regular political yeah. block of a, of, a, of a traditional party, of course, you would need a, a kind of decision mechanism because mm-hmm. in those blocks, you don't need to have a decision mechanism in the, in the traditional blocks. Right. You have yeah. the political leader who sets yeah. the pace and decides, and at the end of the day, the the block implements yeah. some way or the, somehow with some divergence, but not much. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so from from that, of course, yeah, at the end of the day, but you have to take into consideration that the traditional political blocks they belong to political parties who are already politically aligned. Yeah. You know, right. and uh, it's it's how they signed up for it. Mm-hmm. They already agreed to be part of this political yeah. agenda. So, so we, for having said that, I think the main uh, the starting point is to have political alignment on the mm-hmm. objectives and the approach. Yeah, because this is very critical. Yeah, and uh, but uh, you know, we should also be very careful in how to. I need to mention this. Mm and how to manage our expectations. Yeah. You know, I think a lot of... Expectations among the 13, not us, not the voters. No, from outside. Oh, from outside. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because I think, um, objectively speaking, a lot of expectations uh, have been put on the 13, and this is fair. Mm. And this is fair Mm. because we understand that people are frustrated. They want want a fast solution to so many problems that we're going through. Yeah. But somehow you feel that the bar has been pushed even higher. Yeah. And I think this is not innocent. Higher on the 13 than the rest of the parliament. Of course. Yeah. Okay. Despite us knowing Mm. that this is a very new block, Mm -hmm. we don't have a, we don't have political infrastructure supporting as a single political party. We don't have the sufficient resources and so many other aspects, you know, that can limit a lot the yeah. performance you know which is something i'm not i'm not uh, any trying to escape responsibility i'm just describing you know i share and that sentiment too sometimes i feel like i've met so many of the 13 and you i mean you know that you can't ask them to solve even forget the bigger problems day-to-day issues the paralysis is so deep yeah you can't have super powers from day mm. one anyway right so i do feel bad sometimes where you see Many of the third team tired, trying, and hard to admit sometimes that they're shackled. Mm-hmm. Shackled, yeah, maybe. But I mean, shackled, maybe. It's, it, it, it's all, it goes back to what you expect, mm. what's expected, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. know. 
Back in the day when we ran for the election, I was very clear myself during the campaign. Yeah. If we win, we're going to be a minority in the parliament. Mm-hmm. Okay. Don't expect us to do a lot to the parliament, not just because we're a minority, because it's their playground. You know, yeah. Nabih Berri controls the parliament yeah. you know, and, yeah. and, and the political parties. They will not, and they will do everything in their power not to give us any credit or not to allow us to deliver anything that is uh, that would give us a kind of achievement that yeah. we could sell as something we did for the people. And this would feed into enlarging our movement altogether. So this is something they will fight for, mm. against. Yeah. You know? So going back to the expectations, raising the bar, and raising the expectations of the 13 in general, I think, and I said this many times on TV actually, this is some. This is a recipe for disaster in terms of public opinion. Yeah, it's uh, it's something very. Um, how do I say this? Very. Um, it's rewarding, well, and it's very. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, it's very rewarding to see that people are expecting from you so much. Mm-hmm. This is very. Uh, and uh, this is something very nice, you know. But at the end of the day, when you know you cannot reach that bar, then people will be very harsh on you. And yeah. get, 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 because we are responsible people and we take responsibility of what we do. So I think w- the starting point is really to see what kind of uh, expectation, what are we expecting of these 13, okay? Have they been performing accordingly to according to what they have in terms of uh, uh, tools, resources, uh, um, many many aspects? I know that many of the people don't. I mean, they the people are not responsible for that. You know, they, it's their right that yeah. we try and deliver. But I have to be also very frank and honest on how this and lay it in front of uh, the, the Lebanese people so they have a fair judgment. Not to go, I mean, I'm not going to bother you anymore with this issue except from hindsight. And I'll take it a few years back and see whether or not this applies. This, uh, the way you describe it as the context, I think, is important. And starting this political movement really in 2015-2016 as a local enterprise at trying to hold politicians to account. For me, a lot of the aspirations that I still hear, that I think some of the 13 really hold on to, it starts with the Ustink movement. Mm -hmm. And within that, I think, is this bottom-up way of approaching politics, that certain things you can't compromise. And there is a system that is inefficient and a system that needs to be more than reformed, needs to be needs to be fixed. And fixing it is a very long and difficult challenge. And I think that is representative of the more I don't know if Puritan is the right word, but the more there's a raw nerve, I think, of those that started their journey earlier. Mm. And there are maybe other currents within that are more, it's not pragmatic, but more, 
maybe open, but that has a positive tone to it. It's not that either. It's more playing politics as usual. Mm. I think that's maybe a fair uh, mm. way of describing. And I'm going to speculate that your your path is more from the former. Mm-hmm. There are certain things you simply won't do. Mm-hmm. And if you did them, I think I would see you resigning before you actually were forced to make those decisions. So there's a principle that is is intact. And I think that's actually the right kind of politics. Mm-hmm. And for me, that actually shows leadership, mm-hmm. which I think a lot of the voters maybe want to see now. And I think it's beginning that there is leadership, even when it's not fully aligned. Now, with that, I'm going to sort of go into other terrain. Let's assume that certain uh, restructuring is not possible and that you may see more than one block emerging. Or you may actually have a new block that is majority, but it's not 13. Mm -hmm. It could be 11, 10, whatever. But let's say the 13 as we understood them are no longer 13. This next phase in Lebanese politics, and we can go with the most pressing, I mean, the most talked about issue. Michel Aoun left yesterday. Today is his final day, technically. Uh, tomorrow, thank goodness. Yeah. Thank goodness. There's no, there's no president tomorrow. Right. And I'm not going to bother you with the whole Michel Mawad versus Isam Khalifa stuff. I'm going to ask you in a bigger, broader sense. Do you think it's inevitable at this point that even with the best intentions of what's left of the 13, that unfortunately there will be some form of consensus that is not good for reform? And I'm going to offer two Mm. uh, options here. One is the often discussed, I think it's discussed now every minute on TV, inevitable conclusion that Joseph Hon enters power, which I don't think is necessarily true. I agree. Or something that may not suit reform, or the 13 uh, at least, and that it's a compromised candidate that's not really what the 13 want. That's almost um, pseudo-civil society. Hmm. Uh, it's selling civil society short. Hmm. That it's a conduit right. to perhaps Shubran Basile in six years. So I know that's throwing a lot on your plate, but is that a fair way of seeing where things are moving? And if it is, uh, how would you play your role in Parliament accordingly? And and if I'm wrong, tell me I'm wrong, because I I sense you're you're far more intimate with the details of all of this stuff. Hmm. But I see it kind of lining up on those two roads, and I don't want to end up on those two roads. Hmm. I'd rather have the right road, which is something I don't see yet. Um, this is harder than 13, right? <laughs> <laughs> I was being extra nice I'll try, with 13. I'll try, I'll try, I'll try. <laughs> okay. I was waiting for this. I, was, <laughs> I have to challenge at some point. No, I'm joking. <laughs> you know, well, uh, listen, Ronnie, I think... Um, <laughs> the end of the episode. <laughs> but, uh, so, again, going back to to the... To, to the number game mm. in the yeah. parliament. Yeah. So let's assume we have still 13. Yes. All right. There's a lot of a lot of narratives on media saying that the 13 if they would align with the traditional opposition they would be able to to create some kind of breakthrough. Mm-hmm. 
And for me, this is totally false. Mm. Mm. No, because by numbers, for you to have quorum, you need 86 yeah. to be present. In the first round, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. And the second round, actually. And, yeah, and right. second round. Yeah, yeah. Which is more important. Because there with the simple majority. Yeah, exactly. So having the 86 for the second round would require that the two camps in the parliament be present somehow, right. or at least partial. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so, yeah. Because no one has more than 60 something. Okay. Right. So, yeah. Which would lead to the, to the following equation. Mm. Who is the candidate? that can guarantee a quorum. And this is right. where the consensus happened. Yeah. Or the intersection, let me not call it consensus. Okay. So the challenge that we were trying to do and starting from that understanding, okay, and reading of the landscape and the land and the parliament, is that we push for a presidential initiative, what we call the presidential initiative, yes. mm-hmm. and push for criteria and vision that we would want the president to adopt and adhere to. So, and this by is the that previous t- uh, yeah tour if yeah. You will, yeah yeah. And I think that was something really good in terms of the local politics that mm. we that was not precedent that was unprecedented. Yeah. We tried to localize more that election, yes. make it more transparent, pushing for more engagement with the public in terms of. Mm-hmm. And candidates and who's running and the dynamics and what's expected and all the discussion that happens around the president's vision and the yeah. president's approach. And there was even positivity in the air at some point. I do recall some meetings where the echoes were were actually good. That thing, there was a process being formulated. Yeah, yeah. and it was working yeah. somehow. Yeah, although it was a bit <coughs> long. It was challenging again. Yeah. And again, we we are not working in a in an island environment, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, there are always all sorts of um, <coughs> um, things happening. Yeah, from the traditional powers mm-hmm. affecting yeah. your process. And I think with all the names for the candidates that we have considered and everything that we have. Um, Included in terms of potential candidates and criteria and meeting with the candidates and yeah. you know just trying to formulate an opinion of who would be our best candidate. It turns out that it, it's not. I mean, uh, it was even more uh, difficult when things got really serious mm. and started to engage the other blocks around. Yeah, and then you would see that. They, the other blocks, which is you know, fairly required that they have their input on the names, the, on the candidates, input on the program or mm-hmm. the vision, mm-hmm. you know, and it started to get more complex yeah. and sluggish. So having said that, I think going back to what can be done with this, I think it's already... Um, the margin of our influence in that regard is, is, is limited to influence really the kind of breed that mm. you'd want for this president. Yeah. In your in your mind, is that why there was... It's not like a, we're not giving up or anything. Yeah. But I'm just no. realistically describing 
No, actually, I mean, you're in just pure numbers, you're right. I mean, that's, that in itself is the biggest stumbling block. There's no mm -hmm. natural majority regardless. You, mm -hmm. will, you will not get uh, 85 tonight if you wanted 85. Mm -hmm. And that problem is going to stay. Mm -hmm. But is that, do you think that's why a little more bolder uh, names were chosen that were unusual? Mm -hmm. Is that the, is that why certain names sort of sprung up out of nowhere? Was it from that lens that we know that we have our, there are limitations, but we're going to play our role anyway. Mm -hmm. And hence a name like Aysan Khalifa shows up. Because mm -hmm. I think that caught a lot of people off guard. Mm -hmm. It caught him off guard too, actually. We all heard that. Uh, no, that's not very accurate. No? Okay. okay. No. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't very Good. accurate. Okay, you're right. No, uh, I'll say differently. The Within 48 hours, maybe, his name was circulating. Mm -hmm. But I don't think anyone was really thinking of that name, at least the week before. Right. Is that part of the, we can flex our muscle because we have to at least show that we're doing the right thing. Is that where that kind of initiative comes from? It's not flexing muscle, actually. It's really, it's it, it how the this initiative evolved. Hmm and the kind of obstacles that we were facing, pushing through mm. with that. And uh, the lack or total unresponsiveness of the blocks, the other right, blocks to right. this initiative. And at the end of the day, you are trying to come with two or three names of potential candidates and you get no response from the natural, uh, from, not from the natural, pardon me, from the, from the other. Yeah. Uh, blocks and then you'd say okay so if these names which i've already like uh, kind of uh, represents the initiative but they are not really the full uh, reflection of my political identity yeah right so why why then why wouldn't i go back yeah to what truly represents my political position is that a very very ethical and honest way of saying that there's no need for me to vote for somebody like Michelle Mawad. I have somebody that better represents my views. Hmm? Is that really what's that? Because that's yeah. You see, it? I'm not trying to make it about Michelle Mawad, well about yeah, Aysan yeah, yeah. Khalifa. I understand. Yeah, I understand. more like you can vote for Aysan Khalifa, therefore you will because he matches more of what you stand for. Exactly. Then I'm going to be very careful and cautious and try to play devil's advocate with uh, somebody I admire. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all for it, man. Go okay, ahead. <laughs> good, good. As long as I don't ruffle the feathers. And I've asked this question in different ways to almost everyone that's been on the podcast in the last maybe two weeks, three weeks. I mean, I get, I get a range of uh, views on this, so I'd, mm. I'd like to hear from you. Um, I'm personally not a... I don't think Michelle Amawad has superpowers. Uh, I don't think he's uh, perfect. Um, I think his politics pre-October 17 is problematic at times. Mm -hmm. um, I think he's not the first person I would think of as a president that represents me. And I'm being very uh, assertive here. I can imagine, I, I know people that I would want to see in Baabda before him. People that are not running. But I can, I know Michelle Mawad enough as a politician to say that this guy is, there's he's curtailed anyway. 
And I also know, and you're absolutely right, the numbers are not there to bring in somebody who's perhaps more reflective of change. The but way this uh, yeah, I mean, adoption of candidate and running, and while they know the fact and the numbers, it tells you about their strategy. Yeah, exactly. So in a way, it actually burns Michelle Mahwood's name too in the process, because mm. I think it can burn his name to the point that we're adjusting now for something that's more consensus but not good. He, he, he knows what he signed up for. Mm. Mm. Okay, but let's say that's true. Let's say all of that is a fair, accurate reflection of where we are. Mm. And of the 13, whether it's Salim Eddi or for a second uh, Salah Hnein or Aysan Khalifi for that very short window, that none of those names were going to be the ones anyway. Mm. So there's, in a way, none of these names are going to make it. As far as we know, given the context that we're in, mm-hmm. is there any advantage to uh, stepping back two steps here? It's not. It's not even knowing that knowing that Michelle won't, won't make it, but that there at least is a moment where a wide and very <laughs> diverse group of parties. And independent MPs that don't necessarily want to sit together on legislation issues, forget Baabda, but that they're all signing up for somebody who will at least nominally represent the alternative, mm-hmm. knowing that the numbers are not there. Mm-hmm. And the reason I'm framing it this way, I'm not saying if it's right or wrong, I'm just framing it in a way that I still see the army or pseudo consensus mm. pseudo civil society choice as the inevitable despite anyone's effort and i don't know if i don't know if it's productive to have that immense fracturing while this is happening but maybe i'm seeing it the wrong way so that, that i mean that's how i've read the situation from since the names were being floated mm-hmm. So is there anything you can add to that? Maybe tell me I'm wrong in certain ways or... And, yeah, I think I think it's not wrong how you're framing it. It's just some missing... Mm, yeah. Some, um, some, some background there or some elements. So, okay. So it's true that there is some kind of diversity or different parties that are like naming, like I said, representation for them in, in the parliament as mm. candidates. Mm-hmm. But what we're missing here is why this is happening. Yeah. Why is this happening now? Yeah. Because there are so many political parties who are really holding their cards close to them yet, close to their chest, you know? They don't want to reveal. They are intentionally not revealing. That's why these sessions for electing presidents have become like a folkloric. <laughs> yeah. To be honest, you know, it's it's a bit uh, it's a bit uh, it's hard to say, but it's it's the truth. Unfortunately, this is a very important milestone in our in our, especially in these times. Yeah. But, and I've said it so many times, these political parties are totally detached from the people needs, from people aspirations, from what's happening with the people now, and the need to push for uh, for a new president so we can have the the wheel running again and yeah. really get engaged in these reforms and all what people are requiring at this moment. 
So it is, I think, very irresponsible. I think it's very abusive of the Lebanese people. Mm-hmm. And I think that we should be trying to face that. However, okay, however, the context that I mentioned and the, the geopolitical context as well, okay, because we have to also take that into consideration. Many of these powers are, whether we like it or not, are attached to a lot of geopolitical axes and players. Okay, and these influence, especially that we all know, for any president to come now, in this particular point in time, they need some some kind of green light for financial support. Mm. Otherwise, mm. nothing will happen. Mm. Okay, so this would and accordingly, this requires involvement or green light from yeah. from geopolitical players. So, right now we're in a kind of stagnation. Okay, and they are everybody in the parliament is somehow waiting for someone to initiate the process of this um, creating an intersection mm-hmm. between them. Yeah. Unfortunately, what we would ex- what would what we someone would expect these political parties during the two, past two months would have started some kind of dialogue, they have started some kind of mm. uh, exchanging names, but no one wants to open their cards yet. Mm-hmm. They just have some kind of uh, uh, mutual vetoes on different... So in a way you're hinting that there still is that third option there, it just hasn't really shown up. It could. Because I like you said intersection, it's almost like um, these two... I like the way you're describing it, that the intersection hasn't appeared. It can be a consensus and it can be an intersection. We hope it would be an intersection mm-hmm. because somehow the consensus, I feel, would really tone down a lot yeah. what we expect from a president. In I'll, a bad way. Of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think yeah. I think what we should aspire and hope for is to push for uh, an intersection on a president that has, the, I mean, bare minimum vision and uh, determination to push for, especially for political reform, not just economic reform. May I ask you, when when you hear the word consensus, Mm. um, I hear national unity, Mm. and both are ugly to me. And I'm sorry, I'll I'll explain this better. Mm. Uh, not, not, not has nothing about you. It's not about you. It's about the way yeah, the yeah, words yeah. are used uh, in, in yeah, yeah, on TV. Yeah. Um, I think actually, maybe I've written an article where you mentioned this once. National unity is a big part of the problem. And it brought us to where we are. You know, the word sounds so nice. It has this positive ring to it. National unity to me is forced paralysis. Mm. Consensus. In government. In, in government, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not in... Well, I mean, because the the president, of course, I'm not for the kind of consensus that, and that's why I said it would tone down mm, yeah. uh, the profile yeah. of the president more, um, how do I say this, uh, grayish, right. you know. But is there, is there like a, do you hear it in the background? When you, when you think of consens- a consensus pick, mm. Does any of that national unity experience creep in th- when you're thinking about it? Because for me, I do. I uh, I, and I think you're, you're yani, it, it's fair that you have this concern. Okay. Yeah. yeah, It's absolutely fair. Mm. Because at the end of the day, if I have like someone 
who would who's who's not willing to really discuss Hezbollah's arms, we have a problem. This is a pre- this is a, the, the elephant in the room, and we need to really start discussing that. We need a president who is willing to open, yeah. discuss this in a very straightforward mm. and open manner, very seriously, mm. because we need to reach a solution. We cannot continue like that. This is not sustainable. So if you get someone with a consensus, maybe this would be just ruled out of the equation. And this is, a, for me, is a problem. Yeah. This is one aspect of it. Yeah. Or you find another president who is ready to compromise on economic and, fi- and fi- financial reform. Right. And that's another problem. Yeah. So we cannot accept a president under the title of a consensus who would compromise on the big issues that our country need to resolve. We need leadership, we need clarity, we need uh, determination, and we need wisdom at the same time in tackling these very complex issues. But we need to start addressing them. We cannot escape it anymore. I am, I am not, it's not surprised. I'm really happy to hear this, the way you're describing it matches my, uh, my bleak assessment of where we are. And it actually points at a problem that I think you're you're articulating uh, in a very appropriate way. And I'm glad you're saying it this way. Um, I Even the way you describe this economic compromised candidate versus the candidate that doesn't discuss or doesn't want to discuss politically Hezbollah's weapons. You know, a lot of good people could represent both too. And then I don't know if they would see themselves as reflecting consensus, paralysis, mm-hmm. national unity. And that to me is part of the problem too, that decent people could unintentionally fall in those categories. Mm-hmm. And I think that goes back to my discomfort with Michel Mawad, but more that I don't know if he's so bad compared to that kind of choice, that paradigm. Mm. And I, I won't beat it further. It's just that I think that's where my curiosity with him comes from. Let me say something. Okay. So whenever uh, we have... I'm a not sponsored by Michel Amawad, I promise you. <laughs> he didn't want to come on the podcast. So, well, <laughs> so I got him. He, he, he missed out a lot. He missed out. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so let me tell you something. Any candidate you know, running for any position mm. okay we'll have some sort of program a vision you know it's clear this is what we vote on yeah okay at the same time there's his or her track record yeah that can really verify if what he is proposing as a program is he's it's really what he stands for he right, or she stands right. for so for me i mean we need a candidate with a good track record of what he's proposing as as a vision. Yeah. For us, we were we were we were searching and seeking a president whose track record would somehow match our our presidential initiative. Yeah. And and it has to cover not you know, it's not a single 
subject issue, you know. There are so many issues that we would like the president to have clear positions on. So, Hezbollah arms, we need to discuss that. Our sovereignty, we need to discuss our uh, our uh, decision of war. Yes. We need to discuss the distribution of losses in the financial system. We need yeah. to discuss, and very importantly, political reforms as per Taif Accord. Okay, yeah. and our constitution. Yeah. We cannot escape that anymore. We don't have a sustainable political system. So, these are very essential things that we need to, we need our president to be clear on. Mm-hmm. And going back to the beginning of the podcast, I think you need some kind of a candidate who had a clear track record yeah. of that. Okay, so we can say, okay, we can uh, wholeheartedly adopt and endorse his his or her candidacy, and then like fight the f- uh, their campaign, you know, to push for their names. So can can you imagine? So in, go, yeah, in, I mean, I mean, that's what we that that, yeah. but what that's what we lack in our country. But can you? That's what we lack. We need yeah. we and going back to where we started and which way to approach politics. Mm-hmm. What we lack is. Leadership with consistent positions yeah. and very strong stands on very clear uh, problematic issues in the country. So we can say that, okay, these men and women really represent that line of politics. It doesn't mean that they are right, but yeah. at least they have clarity. And this is we can have maybe diversity of choices in terms of political uh, approaches, but then it will be democracy that we can choose and pick what we believe is best for our country. It's maybe early to ask you this, but is there a political path to make that kind of a candidate <coughs> the intersection? Do you see a way for that that kind of name, which resonates with me, uh, an unafraid, principled, determined man or woman that's representing the best of us? Could, could that be the intersection that you see happening eventually? I, I, there is a potential. Hmm. There is a potential. I'm not very ambitious. I'm not super ambitious about it. But I'm sorry to ask it in a naive way. How, how does that work? Is it uh, bringing in odd characters together that you wouldn't expect? Odd meaning that you uh, political opponents that don't have that interest right now but could months from now? Because I, like, I like what you're suggesting. Even mm-hmm. if it doesn't happen, I still it resonates with me. Yeah. But I would like to make that the intersection. Right. Well, how can I say this? I think it's not a purely local decision. You right. Know, there yeah. is there is an element of. So even then, it's almost like regional uh, players that are contributing yeah. or influencing this mm. election. Mm. So, to be very clear and honest, I don't think it's. Uh, a simple local equation and if it would have been so it would have been easier to predict right. what would happen or what would be the outcome yeah but I think then when you have that layer another layer that add complexity to this election it's I think it's more difficult to predict or, pre- or forecast what kind of profile would emerge yeah from that election but so you're, but you're holding out that that could be Possibilities. Yes, I think it's still because yeah. we have a number of candidates, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. okay, who somehow I think 
can represent that kind of intersection that yeah. we're talking about and yet maintain uh, a fairly decent position on the issues that we have mentioned. I hope circumstances allow for someone like that to emerge. Mm. And I don't want that name to be burned as well. Mm. So I, I like that you're suggesting this or offering a way of looking at it that's it's almost like you're offering a creative solution to this problem too. Um, I'm going to take Babda and go a bit back in time now to the end of the Civil War, but really about where we are right now. Last night on TV, and I've heard you say it in, in, in different places, in different ways, you are not shy to defend Ta'if. Mm -hmm. Or at least Ta'if's uh, roadmap, which is mm -hmm. something that's never been implemented. Absolutely. And, I, and I'm actually, it's, it's good to hear that louder than before. I mm. think maybe it's not a it's not how you win elections by screaming and shouting if on the street that doesn't really work but in terms of exp explanation and procedure it makes total sense implement if. and the reason I'm going down this road is because this actually attaches many things that I think draw me to a politician like you if the three main pillars of course, the Syrian army should leave in 93. <laughs> it took them some time. Hezbollah is still armed. Should have been, uh, yeah, all militia arms should have been all dismantled by six months from that point. Yeah. And here we are in 2022. Mm -hmm. So let's leave those two huge issues on the side. Let's get to the third one, which I think is something not explored enough. Mm. A lot of us remind ourselves that Ta'if offers a roadmap to a merit-based parliament. Mm. which is a form of secularism within Absolutely. this very complicated government. I think Ta'if also suggests or mandates a Senate, this Majlis al-Shiyukh mm. that never happened, which in my mind is meant to complement that merit parliament, merit-based parliament. So you find a way for sectarianism to function better in a separate chamber. To limit the, the, the spread of sectarianism to all aspects of our public life. It's exactly. just limited in a, in a, in a Senate. Yeah. But, or, uh, but I know it's, I mean, that's a very shallow maybe way of, uh, um, maybe I'm not giving it the depth it deserves. But it's really, I think, in, it matches where Lebanon is in that. We have to acknowledge sectarianism exists. We have to just somehow contain, frame it. I think of it more like reform it. And that means a Senate. Yeah. yeah. I, any, any, I mean, any, look, I don't think. But I'm sorry. It, it's an experiment. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, sorry, no, sorry. but I, I wanted to ask you, can, can you imagine a situation where you're in parliament and let's say this intersectionist, intersectional president shows We're, up. We have so many intersections here. I mean, <laughs> yeah, tonight, yeah. <laughs> but let's say this, this kind of a candidate is now in Baabda and somehow a prime minister that's more reflective of October 17 replaces Najib Miyati. And Shamil Sayyid is not speaker. Someone else is. That's, mm. in a way, uh, again, reflective of reform. Do you see that as the path towards implementing Ta'if, where you would see a merit-based parliament eventually? You could see a Senate mm. happening? The institutional reforms could start. Mm. Is that for you the roadmap that this is how it happens, or is that 
really just going to be on paper for the rest of our lives. An intersection of president and uh, prime minister, you said who? A reform-based, I mean, I'm thinking of all the good guys and, and right. the good girls. And finally, Ta'if is now being discussed. I have this feeling that Ta'if will never be implemented. <laughs> it's, uh, listen, I think it, it is, it, it's, uh, it's, uh, 30, it's our years fight. Later. It's our, it's our fight as yeah. Lebanese people. Yeah. Okay, so there are people before us who put together the tie. Yeah. With all its uh, baggage. Know, and baggage, yeah, and uh, like uh, uh, loopholes and anything you want. Yeah. Okay. It's still a good start. Uh-huh. It's still a good start. That's a good way of describing it. A okay. good start. It's definitely yeah. a good start. And unfortunately, I think what's being promoted about Taif and the bad reputation it has, it's because this political establishment had distorted the idea of Taif intentionally. Mm. Because, uh, you know, Ronnie, at the, in Taif, there was some kind of a timeline. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. the first elections would happen on the base of uh, Monasafe, which is... Uh, uh, the, power the sharing, it's... Um, I'll get the word, I'll get... Yeah. Uh, there is a specific word for yeah, that. Okay. Yeah. And uh, after that election... Uh, uh, there was supposed to be formed, yes. headed yeah. by the president, by mm-hmm. the Lebanese president, to abolish sectarianism through a national strategy yeah. with everybody on board. Prime Minister, House Speaker, and mm-hmm. all the uh, influential politicians in the country, etc. Yeah. It, was, it was a national interest to push for that. And this, unfortunately, Munasafi, which was supposed to be uh, a temporary measure so you just create a balance so you're able to go further and abolish right. sectarianism yeah it remained at that point yeah and the establishment tried somehow to 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 uh, to equate taif with this munasafi you know and disregarded mm. everything else yeah you know in the in the in the taif so but we're, it, we're it became all about this. Yeah. And now when people speak of Taif, they don't understand that it was our road to a civil state or a secular state. And and they think that it is about Munasafi. Right. But le- I actually, you're right. And that's the roadmap that, you, like you said, it's a good start. We never got on that road. But if you're now a an MP... And you have MP. Article 95 in the, in the Constitution that speaks of the... Get the word now. <laughs> I'm not getting it. That's the problem with English yeah. podcast. You know? <laughs> Sectarian division. Yeah, and institutions. Yeah, exactly. That journey, is that something you see as part of your own cause for change? Absolutely. Okay, so how, do, how does that work long term? I'm, I'm trying to see how this picks up within Parliament and that mm. there's like-minded MPs that see it the way you do. Hmm. Because I, I don't hear this enough in terms of legislation or even in terms of reform that Ta'if... Well, you need... you need We need to build enough political power hmm. to push for these reforms. Hmm. It's hmm. not enough that we have them on the, in the Constitution or on paper. This is the, this we have, we've had them for the past... Since 1990, yeah. 1989. Yeah, that's so, our life. Our whole our exactly. lives have been de- exactly have been so 33 years. Yeah, 33 years. Yeah. Now it's time to push for this, but this will not push on their own. 
to push for reform, we have to build enough political power. Okay, and this is our fight. It's good that we have the constitution and Taif with these reforms because it's already established and the Lebanese do not have to go back and discuss that anymore. Right. So that at least we, ha- we agree on this. But do you think that's part of the reason why, and I'm not being hard on anybody that was running in the elections, but more that there was this <coughs> hesitation for more of the voters that didn't vote for change, mm. that they didn't feel comfortable in their heaviness, that is sectarianism. Mm. Because I, everything you're saying is the way I understand this country too. Mm. I'm going to offer an analogy. We're roughly the same age. Mm. Actually, I, uh, we are. I'm, you're 46? Yeah, that's true. I'm 41. So we're the same okay. generation. Okay, same generation. You look better at 46 than I do at 41. That's come on, actually man. a big problem. <laughs> you're, you're in shape and you're, you know, you're oh, all come over on. the place oh, and man. I'm deteriorating. <laughs> yeah. But we're the same. We know the worst years. Mm. We're old enough to know what the 1980s were like. Mm. Also, there's something that I read recently. It's an article that was written, I think, right after you won. And Lorient Le Jour. And your quote in there. It's almost like my own political awakening, except you're five years ahead, mm. that you come back to this country in the 90s mm. and this future movement just doesn't really work for you. That's true. That, I feel the same. I felt the same way. Mm. It just, it felt out of step with my understanding of Beirut. And I'm a bit romantic. I still think of the Ross Beirut, uh, AUB, urban planning crowd, yeah. even when I don't agree with a lot of what maybe has been said in the last years of politics, I'm still more drawn to that kind of activi- activism, that kind of local activism, where sectarianism is not even discussed. Mm. That secularism matches more our day-to-day lives. And it's a bit, a bit too romantic, at, but the reason I'm saying it this way is I think of my relationship to Lebanon as very individual and I know over time that sectarianism is real and it's heavy and it's going to last well beyond my life and that no matter what I do about it, no matter what I say about it, there is that huge huge elephant in the room that's not Hezbollah mm. but I, I've come to terms with it in a way where mm. and I'm going to be a little sort of testy here I don't want him to come back I don't want Saad Hadidi to leave Abu Dhabi I want him to stay there actually I think he wants to stay there too <laughs> I don't want him in the Sarai <laughs> I don't want to know that his, I don't want to, you know, that the plane trackers, I don't want to see a flight heading here. And yet, I know he is still the most popular politician of that confession. Mm. And that gravity defines that, not me. Mm. And and sorry, sorry, I'll go mm. one step further. Well, yeah, no, no, I, I, I'll say this. Yeah. As much as I was drawn to the street activism of what was Beirut Medinati and all of the October 17 parties that didn't really talk about Ta'if, they were talking about change and reform and revolution, 
Saad Hadidi is gone and suddenly there's a void that you can't escape. Now, mm-hmm. I'm mixing my intimate uh, life the way I see it in this country. I'm projecting onto you. Maybe you don't see it this way. But I can't shake that out of me. And I still think of that as where gravity and politics in this country meet. I think in, in politics, you, you really don't have to do everything. There's a whole lot of world outside, outside who will do many things that are beyond your control. And in that sense, I mean, Ibrahim, the believer here, I'll speak. Yeah, I mean, sure. No, that's, yeah. It's, I think that you just, we have to do in everything in our powers to push for what we believe is better for our country. Okay. What happens outside and change is something beyond yeah. our control. Yeah. But it will happen eventually. Inevitably, it will happen. Hmm. No. Because nothing stays the same so you just yeah stand your ground mm. keep pushing okay an opportunity would would rise somehow you take advantage of it you didn't create that opportunity but you sure stand there to wait for it yeah and that's how you go mm. and you continue working until another opportunity and you just continue accumulating and mm. building and this is what what's really leading to change not really seizing one opportunity and taking advantage of it and uh, trying ev- putting everything on your shoulders in that regard you just have to do everything you can I, I mean I'm going to be I'm going to go all the way here um, I know his career ended in respective failure political failure yet I don't think anyone, had they tried to navigate this paralyzed system, I don't think they would have been able to do more. The alternative would have been to get out of politics and resign. I don't, and, I don't like these hypothetical okay. questions. Yeah, <laughs> no, 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 I'm, I'm sorry. No, but I'm, I'm trying to... <laughs> it's, what, you, know, it's, you know, this is kind of... Uh, what we, I'm trying to do is measure... You know, you said earlier, expectations should be toned down a bit because... Too much is being thrown on the thirteen. Expectations should match what can right. What ex, what 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 these can deliver. What these guys can deliver. So, is it fair then to suggest that anyone in the current system, as we understand it, is going to be facing the same kind of walls? Absolutely. That that yeah, that, someone, this, that someone like him faced. Yeah, that means this is a very yeah. important point, and uh, it's not really about evaluating a political experience uh, or political uh, experiment like Saad Hariri, Rafi Hariri, any politician, mm. any politician. Mm. It's not about saying it was a good or bad experience. It mm. delivered, it did not deliver. I think it's way much more complex to discuss. It would take books to really evaluate mm. and get all the facts together so you can see what kind of choices one's had before him Mm. but at the end of the day Mm. for us as Lebanese people and this is what I always say before all the political establishment parties there is a political responsibility 
whether you deliver or not deliver, whether you did good, at the end of the day, when you are in a public office, you are responsible. You are in a political position. You are in, in, you are responsible somehow, one way or the other. You share part of this responsibility. And this is why when you find yourself not delivering, you're expected to leave. So resignation matches responsibility in that sense. Absolutely. I agree. And actually, I think that was a missed opportunity for many of these politicians that did not deliver but rode a wave that was crashing, crashing towards the last three years. Right. So I share that sentiment too. I think resignation should be taken as something good when it's necessary. And I think there's a almost like a climate of shame or failure surrounding it. I, I don't think that's the case. This is what happened with Michelle Onion. You would expect someone who put, yeah. who, who rose the expectations so high yeah. that when they became like Tairwatani, uh, when they are in power, mm-hmm. they started saying they wouldn't allow us. Mahaluna. Yeah. What are you? What are you waiting for? Just leave. If you're not able to deliver. I know this is now a bit historic, but it, I mean, it makes sense because it's his last day today. <coughs> I would have rather seen an independent Michel Aoun leaving the March 14 coalition in 2005 and staying independent mm. or resigning but being a symbolic opposition. Adding to the problems or paralyzing the process further, I think is what a lot of these leaders did over time. Mm-hmm. They entrenched themselves in paralysis. And that's that's a generation. And I I, um, I try not to be too hard on the uh, the usual suspects, unless they overstayed their political career. I think you and, can be hard on everyone. Well, that's I'll give you fair. one analogy. Aside the Shemi right now, mm. the deputy prime minister. I think anyone in his shoes would end up in the same situation. I don't think it's his competence that's the problem. As far as I know, I don't think his, mm-hmm. his, he's a, he's, he seems to be good at his job. But I don't think that job is meant for Lebanese politics. Like, if, for this particular example, when you come into office, yeah. or you take a position like a minister or anything, you, you certainly need some kind of political background and maturity to be able to evaluate if this would be a successful, uh, if this is a reasonable opportunity that you should take on or or adventure that you should be taking on. Yeah. You know, because you will be responsible no matter what. Yeah. You are responsible. Even if it's not your full responsibility, you will be part of a cabinet that is responsible. Right. You know. Yeah. So you cannot escape that. You cannot escape that. Yeah. No, it, uh, this is yeah. politics, you know, and this is how um, this is public office means. No, I'm glad you even you emphasize resignation as an honorable choice. When, when it's, it is. When you yeah. find that you are in a deadlock and you cannot yeah. deliver, you should leave the room for someone else to try. You just don't take the country hostage and just because mahalune and I need to continue on going on. So that's a nice segue to the last topic, uh, <laughs> taking the country hostage. It's <laughs> a great title because that's what I wanted to end it with. Um, I know that your belief in Tarabitar is unshakable. I know that you've not... Been, has, there's, I've never heard you say we need to get rid of Tarek Bitar. I think you still believe yeah. that this man's uh, position is untainted and he seems to be a competent judge, unable to do his job for over a year. Mm-hmm. So Tarek Bitar is still paralyzed at mm-hmm. his job. 
I think of him as the state mm. trying to do its job, um, unable to do its job because of a burden placed on anyone trying to do that job. Mm. Um, let's go back to 2008. Mm. Were you living in, uh, in yeah. okay, so we both know Beirut in 2008. Mm -hmm. uh, these words became toxic later, but forget March 14 or March 8. It's the Lebanese state trying to do its job. There's infrastructure being potentially removed. A security guard, security guard, security uh, component within the airport trying to be dislodged. And then you have a three week mini civil war. Mm. I still think of that as the state trying. I see the state and I see change today as both being held hostage. And I think of it as one and the same. Mm. For me, Tariq Bitar is October 17, and he's reform, and he's, he's actually competency. He's the kind of person I would, I would want if Lebanon was supposed to carry that huge burden of investigating the port blast. Mm -hmm. But he can't do his job. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So can't blame MPs for not doing more than what they've done. And I think all of the MPs I've met have lost a lot of their... They're so uh, emotional because they've been dealing with so much pain and they have to meet the victims and the families. And, mm -hmm. and I think this is the hardest job right now is to try to represent a moment where you can stand up for Tara Bitar, defend the victims and try to offer some something in the future. But I see all of that as all of us being held hostage. Mm. Maybe I see it more in that the geopolitical climate you described. Mm. You can't just ask Hezbollah to divorce itself from Iran and join the club. But I think of that relationship and I think of security issues as a, a giant chunk of that hostage-like situation. And how do MPs tackle this? Today, later, I mean, I don't know for how an MP would be able to offer legislation around this. Okay, so this is this kind of question is, it's, it, I think going back to the MPs and what they can deliver, and acknowledging the the limitation of the MPs as sole political uh, driver mm -hmm. in this country for change. It is very limited. At the end of the day, what were what? 13, 16, and whole parliament. So for such complicated issues to be addressed, of course, an MP would need to play as a role, the role as a parliamentarian in terms of accountability and mm. legislation. Mm. And of course, this this can be the subject, particular issue, taking the country hostage on so many levels, judiciary, uh, security, uh, foreign policy, etc. This also can be addressed through parliamentarians, but it takes. But this is one component of the mm, mm. of the battle. There is a whole lot of uh, fronts that you need to be uh, doing the battle at the same time. That's why I go back yeah. to what I said earlier. 
regarding having this political framework that can really organize and create a significant uh, power to counterbalance the other parties who are taking the country hostage mm-hmm. and create a serious popular force. And this would be the leverage when w- with which you can confront and start to untangle this complicated issue uh, uh, and releasing our country from its hostage, you know? It's not, it's not just yeah. us, even mm. that, mm. and acknowledging yes. the, the geopolitical component. Yeah. Okay, of course, no one is going to say today uh, you can resolve the, the issue of Hezbollah and its arms, I mean, to be realistic. Yeah. But what we need is to have a strong stand, be clear about it. Open serious discussion. Be transparent about it. Not go do, go deals. Go and strike deals. You know, yeah. on, on its account. Is yeah. is there is this the opportunity for the change block to work with those other MPs that share that sentiment, or is this going to be in your mind something that you build from today to the next elections? That you. It's turn, both. It's it's both. Yeah, okay. I think I think. Yeah, I mean, mm. what we always said is that we will always have intersections. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With other parties, pardon me, on other part with other parties on different issues, mm-hmm. and if there is an, a, a legislation or anything that can be done in parliament that can create an intersection with other political parties. So this is that kind of intersection. You can have yeah. that intersection. Yeah, of course, that's what's parliament about. Yeah, you know, but for, in my opinion, to have this, and on on many other aspects, that can be holding the country hostage like the, the, the banking system that we have now. We need to, uh, to have a bigger force. They are so strong. We need to, to, to organize. We need to put our efforts together. We need to have a clear political agenda and positions from the different issues. We need to foster new leaderships. Uh, younger generations leadership yeah there's so much work to be done we have we need our own media outlets we need so there's so much work to be done so you can have sufficient power is there confront. any advantage at the th- of the 13 mm. to initiate that type of legislation even if it doesn't go far mm. but that there's legacy building um, mm. I'll, I'll give you an analogy it's an unpopular uh, take maybe but let's say that now, now that the maritime boundary has been more or less set in stone, mm. regardless of Line 29's uh, mm. official sort of, whether or not that is the official line aside, that the current boundary is probably with us for the rest of our lives. Mm. That maybe legislation could be offered where citizens get the profits. Mm. It's a bold type of legislation. It may not even Yeah, work. I read the, yeah. Yeah, it may not let's say it goes nowhere, mm. right? But that the 13 are, are on record saying this state as it exists, the politicians we know and these shell companies don't deserve one fresh dollar, wala one fresh lira, wala one she. Absolutely. Okay, so that kind of legislation 13 sign on, nobody else signs on, but it's on record that the 13, yeah. We've done this already. Okay, so, but... Not for, that's not for this particular not for profits, issue. right, Not yeah. for this particular issue, but like, for example, Line 29. Yeah, right. There was uh, a draft law that was proposed in the last General Assembly mm. 
and uh, nobody i mean i'm not sure if kataib uh, voted with us i think kataib uh, i will not go I will, but yeah. the big traditional parties yes. no none of them okay none of them yeah. voted for it okay so it dies in parliament but this this creates a political uh, position it clarifies yeah. their political it exposes their political position that's what's important so could that kind of bolder yeah. way of looking i think that's a very important tool could that be used to try to dis- try to address a geopolitical nightmare knowing that it's not going to go far knowing that nobody will sign on to it the way it exists but the 13 are on record for standing up to something even the lebanese forces wouldn't sign mm-hmm. i think that that is something that's quite bold yeah and yeah is there any i mean do you see that happening at least the next four years and you're i think it's very it's a very plausible uh, mm. I think legacy suggestion. I think it should be worked, but I think what you need to do is really uh, be very smart in choosing mm. the subject. Okay, what we you can address, and how to convert it into a proper legislation. Because sometimes mm. it can mm. be dismissed for technical aspects. Okay, yeah, and you have to be very professional in how you present it and mm. how you push for it, and how you campaign for it as well. Mm. Mm. You know because. It needs a kind of a campaign or media campaign that accompany that approach. Yeah. So this it has m- multiplier effect on, and then people know the position that we take that they take. And I think also people then <coughs> realize that MPs, even with their internal difficulties, the way we started talking, that even then they're still trying to do the right thing, given the current given the context that they're in. I think they win, mm. and I think long term that's a winning strategy. And I think it's a very important point. Yeah. I hope you run in four years, but in the next four years, I'd like to see an independent-minded, uh, change-defending MP uh, shine. So mm. I really hope uh, I hope there is a better four years ahead than the last very difficult years we've both lived through. Uh, I trust your judgment. I actually, I like watching you on TV. I like listening to you. We said it before recording. You have a gifted Thank voice you. for this medium. <laughs> you should do your own podcast. Um, I I will say that as somebody who has listened to hundreds of Lebanese politicians now, or self-proclaimed politicians, uh, you're among the more blunt but diplomatic. And I think I should start recording at 9 o'clock because this was the calmest gentlest most diplomatic conversation i've ever had <laughs> there was no friction whatsoever yeah <laughs> i think nine uh, o'clock yeah it was yeah it was nine o'clock nine yeah, o'clock so. tea and we're Absolutely. both we're both exhausted from the day so it's Absolutely. perfect that's how yeah, i should do may, it yeah maybe you should do this yes. more often. <laughs> even later yes. Raheem, thank you thank you so much for having me thank you so much thank you thank you, thank you.